Hello, and welcome to our continuing series of Better Business Interviews. Better businesses are those that are driven by purpose to use business as a force for good, for positive change, for people and planet. Throughout this series, we are chatting with key people in these organisations and finding out why they do what they do. This week, I've been joined by James Whitfield and Sean Sykes from Five Create. Now, Five Create bring together ideas, data, design, sustainability and innovation to re-engineer consumer goods to be more sustainable. And they are the people behind Breathe, which we will get to in a moment. James is Managing Director and Co-Founder of Five Create. And Sean is a Director and also a Co-Founder of Five Create. But I still don't think I've got the whole set. Um, both my guests, by what I've seen, have a huge amount of experience in product design. And I've been told by a well-informed person, we'll rabbit on about eco issues all day if you let them. <laughs> Just the kind of guests I like. Welcome to the show, James and Sean. Yeah, thank you very much for having us. Yeah, hi there. Um, so the, the elephant in the room question, which I like to ask is, uh, and I've hinted to it, isn't two co-founders enough? <laughs> uh, well yeah i mean we've it's not our first business that we've run uh me and sean have known each other since uh uni really that's yeah. where that's where we met and um yeah. we originally started a, a design consultancy um many many years ago now. Is it like 2011 yeah 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 um wow 10 years <laughs> <laughs> so um we we ran that for uh, four four years or so yeah um and then we started getting into e-commerce and running our own e-commerce stores um along along the way we're meeting really interesting people and really talented people as well um and then uh about a year and a half ago uh we worked with mike and laura who are the other uh partners um as, as well as ryan um and we were working with them and we just felt this really great connection of bringing together uh sort of great new product ideas that don't necessarily get the the, the time of day you know that no one no one really sees them ever um and, and their marketing background and this kind of thing um so we came together as a team we thought well should we just start a company and, and see how it goes from there so that's there's that's the five members of of five it was sort of quite um mm. you know, off the cuff really but um yeah we, we the, our aim is to sort of take on um redesigning re-engineering consumer goods yes so what why why did you come to that conclusion as a purpose for your for your business the five of you just went okay consumer goods is the hit or, or did, was the ideas bubbling under when you met yeah yeah so i think uh well when we when we were designing products for other people we would work on around 300 products a year so we got quite a, a broad um knowledge base and a broad mm. experience um yeah. we thought when we when we originally started we had a look at a few different products and we were looking it, actually breathe wasn't the first one but it was just the, the the best one kind of thing um but um we really wanted to with breathe in particular um and the reason we we chose that one and, uh, and went forward with it is we were trying to create a product that was 
obviously sustainable at its core um, oh. something that generally creates sort of waste something we could cut waste out of the the the, the general way of doing things like um like the thaws for instance you know we so we could cut that waste element but also something that was also good for people's health so it had a, an added benefit to people as well so it was a useful product that wasn't just something that because loads of people are doing um like uh biodegradable cups and you know the disposable yeah. market there's a lot of people operating in that but no one's really looking at uh consumer goods and uh, electronic products specifically and how to make those greener because it's a hard thing to do so we thought we, we want to try and see what we can do there it was a bit of an experiment um to see what the public perception would be like um and a bit of a a learning experience for us to see how you actually go about designing a fully green product from the ground up without any compromise kind of thing yeah we'll come back to the design process in a bit i think so just so we're clear to to our listeners what is breathe and to and to spell it it's b-r-i-i-v but said breathe as in breathe presumably um <clears throat> so what what is breathe uh, so essentially it is uh, an air purification machine so uh, traditional air purifiers will have uh, like a replacement uh, filter that goes inside them and they've got like a fan element to it so it'll draw air through the filter uh, and then push it out of the machine and remove all the particulate matter uh, so with breathe we've gone for a fully biodegradable system uh, so whereas you'd you typically replace the the filter every three to six months and that filter is made of uh, a combination of uh, cards uh, plastics adhesives and sometimes metals uh, all bonded together to, to create this solid housing um, yeah. which then will just go straight to landfill um, and that because that because of the makeup of that it will stay in landfill off gas and just be a general nuisance for for many hundreds and probably thousands of years <laughs> yeah um, so we really wanted to tackle that and uh, so brief has has um we've stripped out all of the, the plastics all of the, the nasty stuff and we're using uh moss as the first stage filter to remove like pet dander and that kind of thing and then we're using coconut um fibers that that gets it even further down so slightly larger and slightly smaller particles and then we're getting down to the the main filter which is in the, the housing which removes all of the uh, really really small part particles and then the air is pushed out of the machine uh, nice and clear I, I, I was fascinating. You've mentioned moss and coconut, and uh, and of course, when, if anybody goes to have a look, and we'll have links on our show page at the device itself, uh, put in a nice uh, shapely dome, a nice modern shaped dome, not a you know old fashioned clock dome. Is it? <laughs> <laughs> um, and and the first thing you see is the moss, presumably, and and the and the coconut layer. Um, but I, from looking at your site and your and your video i see hemp and wool and carbon and then down to the nanofibers as well what what part of dark magic did you use to come up with that combination uh, of stuff to filter <laughs> air um it was a it was a long process of trial and error uh, i think we start i mean breathe the filters for breathe we started really early on in um mm. 2019 we were working on that um, and originally it was going to be living moss so that was that was the goal for us originally to have uh, it be alive um, yeah. 
but it turned out, I mean, we, we tried for months and months and months, um, but it would just, the, the act of drawing air past it constantly, it's just not what Moss wants to do. It's not what really any plant wants it to do. It wants to be like a dark, dingy yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we just keep killing it on, you know, continuously. So it was, it was a great dream. And so we just sort of, but we really liked the idea of using the Moss and we were, we were in contact with um, some people that made living walls um, just through the research that we were doing at the time. Yeah. Uh, and they, they sort of said, oh, you know, um, the, cause it's actually, it's a, it's a lichen now, but it's, it's called reindeer moss. So, but. Um, okay. What's in the name, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it has the same microstructure that um, basically more pre-filters or all air pre-filters are, are based upon. Um, yeah. So it's just the, the micro, um, structure that everything gets captured in as, as the air passes through it basically um this is the simplest way to describe it um and then yeah and then we just went on a well at the same time we were just like, testing so many different fabrics materials i think we ran through um 120 different types of like coconut fabrics and uh, bamboo fabrics and everything you can imagine yeah. uh, to see and testing it and seeing how much particular it removed and how efficient it would be at doing that at the same time so mm. it was it was just a lot of trial and error um really <laughs> oh, fair enough and uh, i mean uh, wool when i saw wool in there I kind of I, I i've recently become very impressed with wool um uh wool packaging um i didn't realize it didn't burn it standard air temperature you have to add oxygen for it to actually to burn and it's just a brilliant product um anyway i'm kind of off you know uh, my little rant about wool, wool uh, I, <laughs> i'll wave the flag with my woolen flag <laughs> um <laughs> you mentioned there's a housing inside here but the whole thing is biodegradable yeah so the um we, we wanted to make it not just the so it wasn't just the um the filters that were biodegradable but also the the plastic housing and the whole thing it's made out of so we opted for um a plastic that's actually made from elephant grass um which okay. means it's grown on non-arable land so it doesn't compete with like conventional bioplastics which can be made like you know they're grown from uh pulls nutrients away from oh right uh, yeah everything. so elephant grass is quite a Plastics are quite a new uh, concept, but um, it, it also acts as like a, a carbon sink. So sort of the plants grown, it's cut down, it's turned into like this, this material that then yeah. captures it and, and uh, sequesters it away for a little while um, or permanently if, if you keep the unit permanently. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, the whole goal really was because we we know from years of designing products uh, how they are handled in the real world. So yeah. with all the goodwill in the world, you know, the, uh, the circular economy and the circular process, we're not there yet with it. Um, so products get, you know, left in warehouses for years and then just go to landfill because they don't get sold. They, they will, at the end of their life, people will just throw them in the landfill because they're too, too lazy to return to where they need to be. They will end up in like in other countries uh, as a part of like a recycling scheme yeah. and incinerated and that kind of thing. So we felt it was really important that the actual unit didn't use plastics, um, and we really tried to push the because I know we used glass in the top part, uh, and that's mainly because that's one of the very few materials that can be 
unlimitedly recycled. Okay, it's yeah. one of the true recyclable materials um, available to us. So we were very strict on what we put in it and, and what we didn't. Um, the, the the problems we have uh, we have encountered along the way have been um, things like with electronics, the PCBs, because it's just and it's amazing. Like the technology just doesn't exist yet. We were we were amazed. We were trying to find no. like. It must be something better than this. It's like, yeah, like an eco cable or something. Yeah, yeah, it just, yeah, it just doesn't exist. So we, it's one of the things we've started doing now as well is we reinvest a lot of what we make into R&D projects and um, working with universities to try and push new materials and try and tackle these problems. Yeah, I mean, there's a heavy regulatory issue there, isn't there? Because electrical devices end up having to use virgin plastic, for example, in the uh, plug housings and the cablings because you're not permitted under the standards to use anything else. There's nothing else certified at, to that usage. And that's what you found as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, oh, it was, it's, it's interesting because it's not necessarily, it just has to perform to a certain level. And yeah. uh, what we generally find is you go to a manufacturer and you say, right, we're gonna use this other material. And they're like, you don't wanna use that, you wanna use this. Uh, yeah, but it's just them just being lazy most of the time. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, a ridiculous minimum order quantity. Uh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I think a lot oh, of yeah. Yeah, I, I, we, we definitely feel your pain on, on that thing. So, I mean, staying with the filters just briefly, because I'm fascinated about this. When you're done with a filter, how long does a filter last do you, on average? Yeah, so they're, they're designed to work together. So uh, the top two filters, which is the moss and the, the coconut layer, uh, they're designed to make the, the, um, the sort of matrix filter lower down last longer. So the top ones will last a year. Uh, so should Oh, uh, and then you're and then the other the really fine one just needs changing every three months okay and and when i'm done with this fine filter um and the top filter even i bung them in my compost you can bung the top two in the compost um because we've combined what we ended up doing we changed the materials a little bit um in the final layer just to make it a bit more efficient and actually it turned out that combining two together it cuts down like the packaging and it cuts down um, a whole other bunch of materials. So it's, it was odd that it, it actually made it greener, even though it was like combining two yeah. things you're normally trying to avoid. Um, <clears throat> but because it combines, now it combines like um, uh, an activated charcoal layer, uh, we say it's not great to put that in your compost bin because it will change the pH level of, because it's activated carbon. So yes, it might mess up your compost. <laughs> so that one's just best to like, go into the municipal waste kind of thing okay but in, in that state it will probably degrade or or probably be incinerated i'm in cornwall we've got an incinerator and no landfills anymore which mm. sounds good but um i'm not yeah. you know it's one of those things you kind of and, and i think all of it's about balance isn't it you say you you i've spoken to somebody else to say on balance so I, I did all i could with regards to my packaging for food was one of the ones we talked about when it came down to it Plastic is actually quite good in places, you know, especially with yeah. food products. Um, and there are packages, elements that sometimes you have to use because there is nothing better and you would end up having a hefty weight or difficult recycling, which could uses energy. You know, if you've got metal or glass, it takes a lot to recycle glass. I know yeah. it's ultimately recyclable. You have to heat it to an incredibly high temperature and that takes energy. And it's just this huge piece of balance in that circular economy, which you, you mentioned. Mm. one more question on the filter 
because <laughs> I got really when I was looking through your site, I kind of went, I've got a stack of questions here. What is HEPA? Oh, yeah. So there's a lot of misunderstanding about what HEPA is. Yeah. Because uh, actually, it's loads of people seem to think it stands for like high efficiency air uh, removal, these kind of things. Um, but it's actually a brand name from the uh, from the from the sixties when when it was um, created. Right. Um, it doesn't actually mean a lot anymore. It's because it's not uh, the the brand expired. You know, the, there's no IP on it anymore. So everyone can use can write HEPA on their on their products kind of thing. Mm. Um, so it actually is given rise to loads of people calling things HEPA like, um, HEPA standard, HEPA. Uh, what was the other ones like? Um, and then you've got all the different grades of various <laughs> filters, but they don't actually mean a great deal anymore. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, <laughs> so so I, I, don't, I, I don't think I picked up HEPA from your site. I think it was from a, a review of your products. I was looking through some of the reviews that have been done, which have <clears throat> been very positive indeed. I haven't seen one, so I haven't had the pleasure of being able to um, sit in, uh, uh, in an air-filtered environment. Mm. Um, how far does it go? Then you know, ignoring the fact that HEPA is a brand name and and it means nothing. Oh, yeah. So how I mean, far can your filter go? I mean, that's the thing. It's it, although it is an expired brand name, it does have uh, a bunch of tests associated with it. So in general, HEPA HEPA filters, and I'm just going to say, call them. They're just high high efficiency air filters. Basically, uh, they filter 99.9% uh, of um, all the particulates that pass through them. Down to um, like 2.5 microns, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So there is there is limits to what it what it will will mm. operate on, um, and ours gets pretty close. Ours is uh, like 90, um, 98 percent. So. Okay, so close close to that standard, or the ninety nine is that would be the gold standard sort of thing. But yeah. would I? I mean, look at thinking of this more um, generically now, and and getting away from the technology bit. Would I perceive a you know, I'm sitting in, I've never had an air filter. Mm. I'm sitting in a, uh, I'm probably sitting in a radon encrusted um, cellar <laughs> in Lost With <laughs> You. Can see, you can see granite, if you're looking on the video, you can see granite uh, mm. stones everywhere. The whole place is made of granite. Um, would I perceive, if I have one of these uh, on my desk, would I perceive a difference? Or is it, or am I just doing it on trust? <laughs> um you would notice less, you know, sort of the sun comes out and it shines through the through the room and you see all the yep. little bits of dust floating around. You would notice less of that. It's one of those things that um, it's always difficult to uh, show show it working, really, uh, unless oh. you've got a, 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 like a, an air filter, uh, not an air filter. Um, a test unit. Yeah, an air, air quality monitor uh, mm. as well. Yeah. Um, but in general, I mean, if you had like asthma or uh, um, allergies, yeah, yeah, allergies or sensitive to pollen and these these kind of things, uh, you really notice the difference with an air purifier. And I think people that definitely uh, have um, uh, hay fever, fever yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And it does build up over time. So if you continue to use it, then if you would, your, your health would would improve. Really. Mm. There is quite a lot of studies on. Um, clean air while you're sleeping and these kind of things um which isn't necessarily that's not something that we've published or anything it's just studies that are sort of yeah. available so mm. okay now of course air quality is 
of significant concern. Um, and in a, in a little while, I'm going to play uh, fact or fake with you. And air quality is is the subject at hand, funnily mm. enough. Um, <laughs> so uh, the final stat before um, that I read or you put on your site is that the one breathe in your house is equivalent to having 3,043 medium-sized houseplants. <laughs> I'm kind of intrigued. How did you work that out? <laughs> is there a house test house somewhere with 3,044 plants? And you go, oh, that beats a breathe. <laughs> Someone actually did a, a scientific report, didn't they? And they, mm. they calculated um, the efficiency of a single medium house plant. Uh, um, and then we, we cross referenced it with uh, how much uh, air our, our unit cleans. And it equated to three thousand and forty-two plants. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. plants, it turns out, they're they're really good at uh, oxygenating and things like that. Um, but and when it comes to dust removal, they they're not great at it. You know, they're not great. No. <laughs> they're brilliant on the side of roads as well, aren't they? I, I didn't realise how important it was for us to have roadside vegetation to consume all of that pollution that we're still churning out from our cars, regardless of its unleaded nature or. Yeah, and, and that's due to the there's there's wind pushing the air past the plants and but that doesn't happen in a house so <laughs> no and that's why you need to do the sucking action through the yeah, yeah. through the filter gotcha yeah. so uh, looking back at, at you two if you if you you and i and um uh, and um, even your other three compadres in uh, in the company where <clears throat> we're in a pub well we'd have to be in a garden at the moment wouldn't we we're in a pub garden and <laughs> Um, lovely sunshine and supping on a, a well insert drink of your choice um sitting two meters apart of course uh, what would be your eco conversation then what would you be talking about in the pub right now i'm, I'm still i'm kind of watering a little bit because i fancy fancy a pint <laughs> Ooh, <that is> sandwich. <laughs> um i mean we we normally end up uh just talking about um what more we can be doing, you know, um, as, yeah. as a company, as a group, with our skill sets of, of what what other areas we can apply it to, and where else we could have like a meaningful impact. Because there's not really any limit to what we can design and, and the, the products we can work on. It's just working on the stuff that's going to have the most impact um, and mm. matter the most to people, really. Uh, that's generally what we chat about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, and, and well, that's fine. Is there anything that's getting your goat at the moment? Uh, there's a lot going on in the in the world. I mean, we've got G7 coming down here in uh, July, where we and poor old St Ives and uh, and the surrounding areas currently having its manholes welded down and all sorts of security measures put in place. Uh, and we got COP. 26 arriving in Glasgow this year and there's a lot going on what mm. you know in with with you being more innovative and sustainable what what more do you think we should be doing is the government working hard enough I know I'm getting a bit political here but I, I'm I'm kind of intrigued as to what people would talk about when they're in such an innovative company like yourself and what's mm. really kind of getting their go and getting their uh, you know creative juices flowing yeah, I mean, for us at the minute, what's really exciting is uh, carbon uh, sequestration. So that that's kind yeah. of um, what we're really, because it's like the ultimate 
goal, but we, we I mean, it's something we've been doing some research on as well. Um, but it's something that is really misunderstood and, and the government is offering, you know, very little in the way of actual meaningful support. And I don't know if it's just because they don't quite understand what needs to be done or you know, if it's just that they, I don't know how to describe it. There's, there's a lot of like, misinformation around the whole thing around like carbon uh, sequestration as well, uh, even with companies already doing it and how, you know, they're not necessarily uh, being effective at it, um, but they are being promoted as like, you know, the market leaders and, and we should be doing more of this kind of thing. Um, so it's a really interesting area and it's not, I don't think it's intentionally being greenwashed as, as such, but it's, it's very much being misunderstood as a field <laughs> well, it, it, it is difficult isn't it it's an interesting subject which we've commented on a number of times because the offsetting approach that many companies have to turn to and i don't um anybody that has done offsetting planting trees you know planting trees and, and getting involved in uh in those those form of wildlife based or or plant-based um ecology improvements are, are all very worthy but you know a tree will capture a ton in its lifetime mm. but that's that's its whole lifetime and people are planting a tree thinking they they've covered a ton and actually it's a 50 percent chance it'll be dead in a year in the before it starts sequestering it takes 20 years before it starts in that pathway anyway mm. so you end up with this i'm basically starting to sequester a ton of carbon in 20 years time when i plant a tree what am I doing now? Yeah. Mm. And, and the sequestering, the true sequestering, you know, these ones which are dragging out the air and turning it into lime I saw recently mm. and, um, and, uh, and, and, and the dark carbon stuff that's going on about how they bring it to the, into the bottom of the sea. And that, that's all really interesting stuff. That must be that. So that kind of gets you going as well. Yeah. 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 Cause it's, it's like, it's where, there's cutting edge technology and there's it's sort of an unknown field almost. No one's really figured it out and the best way to do it. So no. um couldn't we have one giant breathe in the middle of my town? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean it would be it's funny, we were talking to uh, some guys about that a little while ago. Um but yeah, breathe doesn't doesn't help with the uh carbon carbon capture unfortunately <laughs> no no so i suppose yeah that's that that's one step that's definitely one step up you're molecularizing at that point presumably yeah yeah um because gases just operate completely differently to dust dust particles and uh, this is something that um i've had to explain to a few few people who just automatically assume uh that breathe is, is kicking out oxygen and it's doing like what, what plants do kind of thing but it's mm. yeah dust and particulate matter and the stuff that you breathe is is different from gases and uh, yeah, and yeah bad bad gases and things <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah okay i mean yeah, um, it's, it's a i suppose it's a reasonable thing to consider is i've bunged a filter in which improves air quality and air quality must include the gas yeah, stuff, but actually the gas stuff else would be filtering out oxygen at the same time which wouldn't be yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Filtered out all your nitrogen out of the air and now you've got a fully ignitable house <laughs> brilliant um so um I, I also spotted that you've got a red dot award 
Mm. Now, what, what's that? I, I didn't look into it, so I'm completely unaware of Red Dot. Perhaps you could tell us about it. Yeah, sure. So Red Dot is uh, an international design award, um, and it, it's it's run by um, an international jury, um, and, and you submit your, your design, and, and they look at its function, they look at its design, um, uh, and sort of overall sustainability and all these different factors and then um it's kind of a pass fail kind of thing so just, uh, <laughs> so oh, right. but it, yeah it, it won one early on in the uh early on this year uh which was was brilliant really uh for us and it gives it a good bit of credibility that you've got a panel of uh industry experts there who also think that it's it's doing some good and it's just a good piece of design so yeah it's always something that we've that's always been there like the aiming towards uh, ever since uni hasn't it yeah, um, yeah uh... to win a red dot like <laughs> the ultimate <laughs> well that's interesting actually i mean are there any other awards that you like the sound of i mean they're, they're probably one of the most well respected ones funnily enough is the queen's award for innovation and things like that have you thought mm -hmm. about any awards like that I haven't yeah I haven't a, a company oh, i used to work for has yeah. won a few queen's awards um <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, it's something we should absolutely look at. Yeah, because from what I can see, it 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 is a yeah. As I said, I haven't seen it. What I've read up about it, it looks an amazing product, and it does look an amazing product. So if anybody hasn't gone and looked at a brief, do go to uh, to your site. We'll put links on the show pages, as I said before. So. Are you ready for me to ask you some questions on fact or fake? Yeah, let's do yeah. this. <laughs> sure. Try, try not to, you know, not, not try seeking to damage reputations here. <laughs> um, <laughs> nobody can know everything. So is this statement a fact or a fake? Air pollution kills 400 people an hour or seven every minute accounting for more than double the amount of people who die from malaria, tuberculosis and AIDS combined each year. I'll give you that again, fact or fake. Air pollution kills 400 people every hour or seven every minute. That's not a comparison, that's a, an equivalent. <laughs> <laughs> um, accounting for more people than die from malaria, tuberculosis and AIDS. Fact or fake, guys? I think that's, I think that's a fact. I'm pretty sure yeah, that's correct. That sounds, that sounds correct. Yeah, it's a fake. Um, oh. <laughs> and you're going to be horrified. It kills 800 people an hour. I halved the figures. Uh, yeah. Every 30, every hour, every 13 minutes. Well, I went the other way on that one. Um, <laughs> so I, that's, my, <laughs> that's my calculations going wrong. Doesn't bode well, did it? Counting for more than three times the amount of people who die from malaria, tuberculosis and AIDS. Okay, I can understand why you didn't get that. How about this one? Fact or fake? In 2016... Couldn't find any more recent facts than that. Household air pollution from cooking with polluting fuels and technologies caused an estimated 3.8 million deaths. That is, in air pollution from cooking with polluted fuels and technologies caused an estimated 3.8 million deaths. Fact or fake? I know it causes a lot of, uh, a lot of health problems, yeah. indoor cooking. And this is worldwide. Worldwide, yes. This is a who fact, okay. fact depending on how you read it. <laughs> <laughs> I've read a lot of these facts, but 
Do you think these, these numbers are? <laughs> oh yeah. God! I got them go, on the ropes. Yeah, I'm going to go. Yeah. Fact. Fact. Yeah. You're correct. It is <laughs> the WHO, the WHO um, World Health Organization um, suggests seven million people a year die from air pollution-related disorders, um, which is quite a fact, really. Um, okay, last one. It's one each. This is the decider. In the 15 countries that emit the most planet warming gases, so we're back to gases again, sorry about that, the cost of air pollution for public health is estimated at more than 1.5% of GDP. So it's just the top 15 planet warming gas producing countries. There, the suggestion is that the cost of air pollution on public health is 1.5% of the GDP of those countries. Is that taking into account the, the global, the damage it's doing in terms of global warming as well? Or is that? I, I, I think it's a, it's an analysis of the, the impact on the healthcare system in those 15 countries. Now you're quite right. right. Air doesn't stay still, does it? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, our, our very bad pollution in this country and the other 50, 14 countries is probably killing a lot more people with GDP um, mm. uh, than our GDP shows. So, but is it 1.5%? Is that fact or fake? I think it might be more. <sighs> Yeah, it's probably more than that, isn't it? Oh, is it, it, it's, it's very damaging. So it could be, could easily be more than that. So you saying fake? Fake, yeah. Fake, yeah. And they win. Yes. <laughs> so in these 15 high emitting countries, um, uh, 4% of the GDP is used in treating uh, health related disorders and in comparison keeping global warming to the Paris agreement temperature limits would probably require investing around one percent of global GDP um, it's, it's funny isn't it it's a business case that nobody would want to make mm. uh, and that and they'd never try it I think it's almost impossible for them to go well we're, we're spending a bucket load of cash over here keeping people alive because we're killing them with air pollution <laughs> If we invested a little bit of that in in reducing air temperatures, we could actually perhaps reduce that quite considerably. A bit ironic. Yeah. Well, on, a, on a devastating uh, defeat, I, I I I do like to win my fact or fakes, but you know your air quality, gentlemen. Um, I wish you all the best with Breve. I really do. Um, where is it? Um, you you did an Indiegogo. It's in production, and that, uh, I must admit, I didn't track down the Indiegogo and have a look at it. So, what state is the is the brief in now? In ready for pre-order? Yeah, it's it's still on. Uh, we've just extended the Indiegogo and doing pre-orders through through their platform. Okay, uh, yeah. We are getting. We've had a lot of delays, unfortunately, this year with uh, COVID effect of the electronics industry and um, yes. COVID. <laughs> But uh, we just try not to say that, you know, we try, try not to make too many excuses uh, for things. But um, but so we, we're still we're still just taking pre-orders, but you're getting very, very close to, to having products and sending it out to people. So. 
Brilliant. Really, really excited to see uh, the feedback when you when you get those out, and uh, all the best with getting that Indiegogo uh, to its completion, and it's already been very successful. So, thank you very much um, for for joining me on the on the Green Elephant Show. Yeah, thanks. Been fun. Yeah, thanks for having us. <laughs> We really hope that you found this insight into another better business both informative and entertaining. So make sure you don't miss any of our other chats with other better businesses by subscribing to our podcast, available on all good providers, or on the Green Elephant YouTube channel. And please don't forget to spread the word with others. If you have any questions, comments or suggestions on the show, please do get in touch. You can email us, studio at greenelephant.show, or visit our website, greenelephant.show or find us across social at Green Ellipod. Join us next time, and we hope you have a sustainable week.